Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Square Ball Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to Podcast 117. I'm Dan Moylan and with me, my second favourite Michael after Brown, Michael Normanson. Wow, well, that's a real, real praise. And my third favourite Chapman, Daniel Chapman, aka Moscow White. Who are the other two? At Lee, mm-hmm. Mark David. <laughs> Controversial choice, but you go ahead. Uh, Daniel James and friends uh, heading our way this midweek, so we'll deal with all that in a bit. Uh, get some of your sightings of Leeds players, sensational sightings, which if you missed the last podcast, all will be explained. First, get your hands on our new fanzine. Issue seven for this season comes out for Swansea midweek. Not the best day to launch a new thing, but mm. Sean Harvey's fault, isn't it? Because he's been tampering with our fixtures. Yes, it's the uh, the first of two consecutive mag launches where we're selling in the dark, which is never well, great. Well, I am. Yes, I don't know why I said we, you. Although you knock off and go to the pub, you just leave it in the hands of kids, don't I try, you? I try. This new issue seven looks great as well. Sensational like mosaic on the cover in the shape of Bielsa's head. If you haven't yet seen it, check that one out on our social channels. And if you would like to support us, Grab yourself a digital magazine subscription from our website. You get a decade's worth of fanzines. It's working out at like a quid a month. And you get the new one as well. Find all that at thesquareball.net. Another tough game at the weekend then, boys, but stamina and persistence, it paid off in the end. How did you feel about that 1-1 at Borough? Going for the full 112 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, it went on forever. I don't know how much stamina Jack Clark showed being wheeled away on a stretcher halfway through the second half. It's not the most strongest performance of the season. Are we sure he's going to make a full recovery? I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he's he's all right, isn't he? They sent him home. Well, there's being sent home though and there's making a full recovery if he'd had a seizure or something. I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> is it dodgy ground? I suppose sending him home is also, if you're in a hospital in Middlesbrough, there's only so, you're only going to get so much better. Better to get in the fresh air of Yorkshire, relax for a week, have some tests, make sure everything's okay, and he'll be he'll be back for some 112 minute matches, 112 minute training sessions probably as well very soon. One thing to take from this game, then we've scored in every away game so far. We we haven't left it any later than this one. How did you feel when that one went in? Mightily good. It was deserved as well, really. By that point, I was feeling a bit aggrieved with the missed chances from well, Roof the double the double miss in about two seconds, and mm. then Bamford's one, which was just ridiculous sort of watching it back you're like why Pat why it's like he tried to place it in completely the wrong part of the goal as well he had it to his left was an empty goal mouth to his right was Darren Randolph diving across his near post and he thought I reckon I'll just slot it there and wide his reaction yeah he had a proper posh boy tantrum as well spinning around then lying on the floor thumping it just I don't want to play anymore it's my ball going home get out of my garden 
It's not fair. Good to see him back, though. It was, to be, yeah, to be honest. We, we should credit him for at least being on the pitch. <laughs> Setting a very low bar. <laughs> well, it's better than he's managed most of the season. Better than Izzy Brown. Exactly what I was going to say, yeah. I guess some rustiness is going to be, uh, isn't going to be natural. He had a couple of chances in the first half as well where he kind of got to the byline. But, but then again, he looked sharp enough against Bolton. Yeah, but they're a League One team. True. Calvin back as well. That was good. Although we suspect maybe Forshaw might have started that game if uh, if he'd been fit. El Loco. There's a reason to call him that. If you're going to play Forshaw above Phillips after that performance in particular, and also after the, uh, what was the programme he was on, on the night before where he was hugging a sick child and I grew ovaries and then they exploded within minutes. You're not seeing this. Nope. It was some programme on Primetime, BBC or ITV, I can't remember which. And at the end, there's a, there's a family whose kid needs hospital treatment and Calvin Phillips appears and there's a treat for them all. He's going to uh, invite them to a, a match for see the uh, the game from the executive box and meet all the players and all this stuff. And uh, a sick little girl goes to him for a hug and you just see Calvin's smiling face over her, her shoulder. And um, if he never does another good thing in the lead shirt again... He's cemented his smile, cemented his place in in my heart and probably the hearts of the nation. I think everybody, you know, when under O'Leary, we were everybody's second favourite team. I think having seen Calvin smile, we're now everybody's favourite team. Nobody supports Manchester City or Chelsea or anybody else anymore. Everybody supports Calvin Phillips. He's got a lovely face. And if Marcelo Bielsa can't see that and chooses to uh, to play Adam Forshaw, who probably if he was hugging a sick child he'd just be gurning he was there looking at Jack Clark looking concerned <laughs> he was looking at a sick he was, child he was, one right? of, he was one of the people peering over to, uh, to say he, he didn't have such a nice face no yes the, the photos of the uh, the players behind the bench are quite amusing there's obviously everybody looking concerned and in the middle of them all there's just Gatano Barati just sitting down just, I, there is one photo I've seen where he stands up just to have a look like oh it's Jack is it and then he just kind of sits down it's like we're going to get on with this or what <laughs> He's seen a lot of uh, destruction in his time. That yeah, was just seemed, mild. That's one of the ways we we can judge that Jack Clark's okay, because uh, although actually, no, I'll take it back, because okay in Berardi's eyes is probably like <laughs> semi-dismembered. Uh, to the game then, sort of first half, they had the better chances. Second half was ours, fair to say. Apart from their goal. He, he was always going to happen though, probably, if they took the lead, because it's just the kind of guy Pulis is. He's not a man to go out and get a second or a third, is he? He'll just thought, we've got a lot. we've got a team of giants well organised we'll just sit here and it'll be fine as long as we don't have to play for an extra 12 minutes he's not really got the attackers to score a second either I thought Cooper and Janssen he brought on a Samba Longo 15 million pounds okay he's got the attackers <laughs> he just can't he, he can't get any goals out of them and we dealt with Hugill Huggle whatever he's called that lad well I looked at how many of the long passes in inverted commas actually worked and I think they, they managed in the first half like four out of 25 actually found a player yes and one of those on the, the pass map is a, a long pass from the halfway line back to near their own corner flag so that counted for one of their successful long balls <laughs> and yeah and you could see their chances were falling to their central defender from crosses and their wing back from another cross they were three incredibly good chances that fell to Defenders, so you defenders are allowed to score. Yeah, and but- you would expect him to score. Like Flint's the the first one, the keeper was kind of a bit in his face, but the second header that he completely missed. Well, exactly. that was that was a like a tap in header. So if it had been Huggle, 
he probably would have buried that. So you can say it's credit to our defenders because they marked him out of the match and made sure all the chances fell to players who were unlikely to score. It's like if Flint, I think Flint did score about eight goals last year. Didn't score against Leeds though, did he? <laughs> it's a strong argument. <laughs> yeah, and then Shotton just kind of gave up. He, he's like, I think he almost thought the ball was going to reach him at the back post. Mm. Then he, by the time he realised it was a bit far in front of him, too late and just fell over in that very full backy kind of way. Exactly. It's the player you want a chance to fall to. You're quite comfortable <laughs> just letting that happen. Probably why, uh, which side was it? Alioski just wasn't marking him. He's like, ah, you'll be fine. He'll miss. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful application of hindsight from you there, Moscow. Isn't it weird kind of how their goal changed the game? Seems to have happened in a few games this season. It's hard to tell because it happened so soon after half time whether the goal changed the game or whether... If we hadn't conceded that, Pablo Hernandez would just have proceeded to completely boss everything and would have won. I'm sceptical as to how much of Middlesbrough's defensiveness was due to them wanting to defend the lead and how much was just Pablo not letting them have the ball after the first 10 minutes he had on the pitch where he just kept giving them the ball, but he stopped after a while. I was going to say he had a very odd game in this, did Pablo, because he did some horrendous things, but then was also kind of our best player. Which maybe sums him up. But well, he, he had more touches, didn't he? I think it was Phil Hayard pointed out than anybody else on the pitch and he only came on at half-time. Pretty much. And it was him and uh, Calvin in the second half passed to each other 15 times more than any other combination on the pitch. So it was those two bossing it. Yet another reason why Adam Forshaw should just keep his little peek out. Um, <laughs> but that was it. And you could see there was two chances. One for Mr. Roof that Calvin Phillips curled like a chip into the penalty area for near the halfway line. And then one that Hernandez played that lovely straight through ball from the halfway line into the penalty area that Pat, he got tackled before he could finish it. But those two, a couple of Perlos, two of them, I will take a team with two Perlos in. Interesting to note that you're kind of really zeroing in on Forshaw now for your dislike, given that, you know, we rewind some months now back to when you put the video out of Bailey Peacock Farrell, you know, I mean, when he was nearly a year, when he was touted, it's ne- it is nearly a year for being a replacement for Wiedervald, rightly so. You said over my dead body, you yeah. said, I will take that boy down. I don't care how baby faced he is. I'll take him down. And it's worked in fairness. He's now out of the team. So that video that you put out pointing out all his many, many flaws has taken him out of the team. I can feel like a foreshore video coming soon. I don't know. No, Cause you- this is all positive. It's all out of love for Calvin Phillips. If, you know, Forshaw's fine, but maybe he would be better in place of Click, who was subbed off. I think he went limping off, didn't he? So he was looking mm. a bit tired, a bit of a question mark. So there might be a role for him there. But it's just pure love for Calvin Phillips. I think you cannot deny the impact that Calvin Phillips being in central midfield had. It's just a shame that he messed up his defensive midfield role for their one goal, <laughs> gave the ball away and then didn't track back. But he admitted it afterwards and he's got a lovely smile two things that count for much, much more. And he scored the equaliser. Michael, on the last podcast, Moscow said that he thought we'd worked out Pulis ball. Do you think we worked it out? By the end, it took us 45 minutes to get a full measure of it. And the rest. and Yeah, <laughs> and the rest, yeah. But uh, like, it was just a very odd game. We would, I thought we obviously looked the better team, but we just, as we have done recently, we just gave them some really easy chances. And like even their goal, there was... No one there. There were sort of three defenders panicking to get near to him, but he received the ball in about 10 yards of space on the edge of the box. But by the end, yeah, we had him penned back and nothing they could really do other than just twat it clear, which was all all they'd really done all game. But somehow in the early stages, it caused us an issue. And that was for about half an hour. We had them penned back, really. The last half hour was just us attacking and attacking and attacking. And I would hope Bielsa did say that he wasn't too keen on how Bamford and Mr. Ruford combined together. Roof was at 10, Bamford as as the striker, but you'd think a few games together, 
Bamford will start scoring. And uh, I think Roof was still getting in the box as well. It was really hard to work out what we were doing in the second mm. half formation-wise because we just had, we started without many attackers. And then at the end, so we had Bamford, Mr. Roof, Alioski, Hernandez. Harrison. Harrison. Roberts. Did you say Roberts? Yeah, I didn't yet, but he was there. Click for some of it. I suppose he, Roberts came on for him, didn't he? But there's a, just loads and loads of attackers. And I wasn't really sure who was like the Anganche, who was left wing, right, right wing. It took me, I woke up, it was only looking at the heat maps afterwards that Pablo Hernandez was generally more on the right. But yeah, it just seemed to be get on the pitch and try and score, which, you know, I'm in favour of that. I just wish he had some more consistent results. Six goals instead of one at about half past six when it finally went in. You've been looking at pass maps, heat maps, any other maps? Uh, maps of how to get the hell out of Middlesbrough. A66, A19. Good knowledge. Thank you. One lad who didn't get out of Middlesbrough, mm. Jack Clark, ah, was detained in the uh, James Cook Hospital for a bit. Does make it sound like he was imprisoned. Your thoughts on that when we found out somebody was down? Obviously, we didn't know it was Clark at the time. What's quite impressive is that the players obviously knew. And yet, after a few minutes, they all just went and stood back in the penalty area. It's like, are we going to take this corner then? Ailing was one who kind of took a bit of a leadership role and was kind of chipping around the, the technical area. But... Um, but yeah, for them to uh, shrug it off and then just go and like, oh, we'll get on with the game because there were some uh, some scenarios where if one of your teammates, particularly a kid, is taken away on a stretcher, having had some kind of turn, a funny turn, you think, should we knock this game on the head? Should we give it up here, call it off? There's, that could happen in a match. But instead it was just, uh, you know, bueno, corner, come on, score. 10 minutes left or 20 minutes at that point. Keep going until we equalise. I mean, never mind Clark's funny turn. What's happened to Ailing? He's had a funny turn. He's kind of really gone off the boil, hasn't he? There's a lot of uh, pelters being chucked in his direction now. Has he not recovered from injury or is it something deeper, you think? I think he's just having a dip. Because he's been back long enough now for to have recovered. And it's just basic things. Like, he's, he's kicking the ball out of play and stuff, which no matter how injured you are, there's no real reason to do that. Like, I'm sure he does. He's a professional footballer. He does this every day. Mm. I think he's just having a bad patch, and I think he'll be he'll be fine again in a bit. Just give him some time, and don't at him on Twitter and call him a useless. <laughs> that just achieves nothing, does it? Which no, is, like, it's all right to talk about it. It's all right to talk about it, fine, but yeah, don't. So he's not playing you, well. It's when you tag people in and to slag him off. Like you're, he's perfectly acceptable to go on Twitter and say Ailing had a poor game today. Mm. That's not controversial. That's like Phil Hay does it on the YP. No one's going. Only a five, Phil. Stop trying to ruin him. There are some people. In here. But yeah, he's, I think he's just having a bit of a bad time. But I'm, I've got faith in him to come back. But I would equally maybe just take him out of the firing line for a, a game or two. Jamie Shackleton does seem, even though he's not a right back, quite an entertaining option. Um, <laughs> just for pure attacking, as Alioski says on the other wing, he says, when I'm playing left back, I'm not really defending. I'm just playing left wing from a bit further back. Shackleton <laughs> can do that on the other side yeah, like and that. leave leave the defending to... Pontus and Cooper and Calvin in the middle. I was going to say, when Phillips is back in the team, it gives it gives us the option that Shackleton's not really needed to defend all that much. Speaking of Alioski, what do we think? The hair. I think it's a remarkable fashion statement. A brave choice. Good on him, yeah. He'd kind of chilled it out a little bit. He, I think we saw his natural hair colour for a while earlier in the season. He was quite a, a mousy brown for a bit, but then he's come back at the weekend... I don't know if maybe he just went a little bit too close to the chemical works on the way to the Riverside Stadium and it just happened. But uh, yeah, bold. And you'd think as well that Luke Ayling could find him with a pass, given that he's basically it's Bridget Nielsen's standing out from the, the crowd Bob on the Shell. wing. Yeah, he can't exactly 
oh, I couldn't see him. He blends in so so well. I mean, Michael, you're quite hair free there. What's your your feelings on a man who's who's done that to his hair? Makes me grateful to be to be bald. To be perfectly honest, it's not. I mean, his hair's always been very um, Eastern European boy band, hasn't it? <laughs> so that kind of a vibe, like he's Estonia's entry for the 1998 Eurovision or something. It's not as nice as Calvin's. Do like his lovely face, lovely hair. I mean, if we want to revise the history from last season, the uh, the abuse Calvin Phillips was getting at the end of last season for growing his hair when he should have been concentrating on the football. <laughs> As if, as if one really took the time away, like he was sitting there every morning. Like, how can I possibly practice this this free kick? My hair, I can feel it getting longer. Leaving training early just it. to watch it grow. Exactly. My centre of gravity's all wrong. Every, it was all kind of seen as like him going off the rails, but actually once he's grown it to the uh, the length he seems to have wanted, twice the player as he ever was. We all think it's Bielsa's influence. Maybe it's his hairdresser. Well, on young Calvin Phillips, what a nice moment that was. That was particularly pleasing to see that goal go in. There's a lovely shot of um, like a, a still from the goal going in and you can just see several people behind the goal with their heads sort of tilted back, their mouths open going, no! And it's lovely. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy seeing that sort of pain. I liked as well Pat Bamford coming running up with the ball in his hand going like, come on, we can we can get another, we can still win this. And I mean, I know we've done some I've pretty... I've seen the uh, comics. <laughs> Well, we've seen the Blackburn game for a while. I know we've done mm. some pretty Roy the Rover stuff, but really, that was no. We weren't going to score another goal, Pat. Come on. Especially not him. He'd bloody miss it. Give him a chance from two yards out. Oh, I think I'll place this. Fool. Hey, speaking of the Borough fans, Michael, I don't think they were necessarily all that best pleased <laughs> at full time if you judge like Borough fan TV and so on. The fan TV just needs to end, really. There's never been good analysis, has there, on fan TV? It's a good advert for... Um, Birth control? Yeah. And for people maybe broadening the gene pool a little. Marry someone who lives maybe a street away. Maybe even in a different house. And the guy, the main Borough TV man, you know, everyone knows who he is. He's got some weird sort of Amish beard he seems to have grown as well. I don't know if you've seen it. Strange, he's kind of got, a, he's shaved his head apart from like a bit on top and then he's grown like a, I think he's grown, they sort of bearded growth to like high chins. But right. We, but we know they're there. I mean, you say that they were all bitter. I, I watched a few of the clips. I genuinely don't know what they felt. How It, it was just incoherent wittering about stuff, generally about our songs. One mm. guy seemed very angry that we only sang one song. Putting marching on together, can't even march on a pitch. And he said that at least twice, didn't yeah. he, as well? It's just, but his opinion of the game, I have no idea. <laughs> I just know he just doesn't like our song. Well, two thirds of the season down, we are 15 games from glory oh. and this team, immortality. Can't it just be over now? <laughs> you kind of do. I'm enjoying it and I'm, and I'm sure in years to come, if we do go up, we'll look back on this and go, it was really enjoyable. It doesn't feel it at the minute, does it? It's torture. I'm kind of glad whatever the result on Saturday, that that game is just out of the way. Because I knew we had to go to Middlesbrough at some point. We've done it. We got a point. We don't have to play Middlesbrough again. It's over. We can just get on. Hopefully we never have to play them again. That would be, that would Dude, be preferable. I'm thinking that about most fixtures this season. <laughs> you lot, you lot, you lot. Definitely Millwall. Well, sad to bring such disappointment into this section of the podcast. Uh, it feels like that friendship nurtured, reported on last week with our friend Salim Lamrani. It, it's feels like it's falling apart. 
clearly we established last week after we sent them the uh, Leeds Carajo mugs, which you can buy via the link on our website, that we got a nice note back from Salim thanking us for the mugs and struck up what appeared to be a beautiful, deep friendship. He was just using us for the mugs. Nothing this week. Do you think um, we need to send him some Leeds Carajo t-shirts that we could also have available to buy from squareball.net? <laughs> That would work. And we should think maybe about underwear, I think. I've asked him to send me some of his, but again, no reply. No reply. Oh, that's a shame. If you do fancy being like Salim and ignoring us after you get a mug, you will have to pay for it, unfortunately. <laughs> but you can find the links to the Leeds Carajo mugs. Mm-hmm. Squareball.net. And the T-shirt, white or blue. Right, we'll run the rule on heroes and villains in a bit and catch up on the week's events in just a second. But this one, oh, I believe this might even be described as a feature now. Got a nice response on this. Player sightings. This, if you haven't heard the last podcast yet, number 116 was you were in Costa Coffee, Moscow, in Knotsford, in Cheshire, enjoying a a hot milky beverage, presumably, and who was sat there but none other than... Paul fucking Butler. Ruining my life just with his presence, which is he did when he played for Leeds. So we gave you the chance to um, tell us where you'd spotted Leeds players. The more obscure, the better. Some really nice ones that came in. Thank you if you did send one in. We will get to them in due course, but we don't want to overload the podcast with massive lists of stuff. But uh, let's pick a couple then that we spotted. Who, who wants to go first? I'll go first with Paul. LazyDoggo3 on Twitter, who has seen Paddy Kiznorbo watching the Inbetweeners movie, and he saw Big Nige Martin at a garden centre in Otley when Paul was 18, selling him Calagas. And it's worth mentioning that Paul has not seen me, but he did send me a football shirt from Argentina, Cordoba, Luciano Becchio's club, for which I'm very grateful. So that's why I wanted to read his out. He sent you a shirt? Yeah. For free? I mean, it, it was off the market. And I've then you you're like a Lamrani. I've then just in it for the freebies. I've then to wear it because it does feel like it will just fall apart. Which Paul did point out. He's like, this is the least legit Cordoba shirt available. But he went to Argentina and brought that back for me, and that's nice. So if anybody else is going on the holiday holidays, that could be a new, a new feature as well. Bring something back from your holidays <laughs> for Moscow, like money. That would be great. Well, my uh, my little lad, he, he's seven. For some reason, he likes Ronaldo, which we're working on it. Fat Ronaldo, I assume, the Brazilian one. I assume so. But anyway, uh, he got sent for his birthday a Ronaldo 7 Juventus shirt. But instead of like Adidas 3 stripe, it's Adidas 2 stripe. Excellent. And it's covered in shit on the back. <laughs> Have you got one then, Michael? Shy Ted saw a Lee Bromby and all-inclusive in Crete. Could have been Philip Schofield, though. Could have been mistaken identity. Yeah, we need to check that one. No way of knowing. Nothing screams professional footballer like, you know, an all-day bar when you get out of bed and go straight and get the beers, do you? But I like like Big Nige as well, the idea of him buying Calagas as well, because I imagine he used that in a caravan. (laughs) And David Batty's. Maybe Batty said you can come to the caravan, but you're bringing your own fucking gas. And Ryan on time, which is Ryan Schommer on Twitter, said Gary Mackey bumped into him at Billy Bob's Ice Cream Parlour a couple of years back, which is a very nice little uh, retro diner-themed place just outside Bolton Abbey in North Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Being there with the kids, uh, good for families. It's quite pricey. You wouldn't like it, Michael. <laughs> if Gary Mack's eating there, I mean... You'd be telling the kids, get one from Freezer, get one from Freezer. I've got, I've got the cool box in the car. <laughs> Yeah, weird though, the, the spot in there was that he, he asked the um, Ryan Schommer's little lads if they liked Liverpool. I mean, that's a weird question to ask anybody. Do we even ask for actually? Yeah, Liverpool fans fucking love Liverpool, don't they? It's been a fan TV. Did you see the clip of one of their people claiming that uh, is it Sadio Mane is the best player in the world? And even the Liverpool fans were just laughing at him. He's gone like, "What are you laughing at? 
He is. Best player in the world. I'm talking facts. Do you want Man City to pip them to the title just so you can witness their tears and we can still hold the record of having won the league more recently than them? I think those are two quite good reasons, yeah. Happy with that. That's a great answer. Let's move on to the actual uh, events of this week, which is an update on Spygate. Oh, God, make it end. Just, oh, God. Doesn't this feel a bit now like, you know, when you get into an argument with your wife, Michael, and you realise after about a minute, it's just not worth the effort anymore. She said, should we just forget it? I wonder if the EFL plan is to hope everyone does forget it and they can maybe slope away without having to really deal with it. They can just be like, oh, we're still gathering evidence and everyone will be, you know what, it's, it's done now, isn't it? Let's just forget about it. Look, all right, yeah, yeah. Go on, we'll do that. It does seem like they are kind of, they're winding things up. Just because the reporting, Phil Hayes' reporting was that Leeds were getting sick of basically how much opinion is being broadcast about all this, from, especially from other clubs in the championship. And they kind of had a feeling they were going to get a ruling just before the Middlesbrough game, which again, they weren't happy about. And then I can only imagine the reaction when the decision came through after a day and a half of talking about it as well, where it's like, oh, actually, we've, we've not come to a decision. We're, we're going to get aside for fuck's sake. So it seems like the people within the club are starting to feel the same way. We are just, can't you just bring this to a conclusion? Just deduct the fucking points. Like, <laughs> if we can just go home. Just do it. Let's drop into the playoffs and get on with the season. Yep, you've won. You've ground us into submission. Mm. Just get it over and done with. How do you fancy this then for a job, the 20-year-old intern? Of course, if you've missed this story, this is a story of the 20-year-old intern who apparently is responsible for all this, who it sounds like has been having a bit of a gap year around uh, the towns and cities of uh, of England. When I read this over the weekend, it was in the Times, they've obviously seen some of Leeds United's submission. I read this and then I thought, oh, actually, I can see perhaps now why the EFL needs some more time to investigate because the full story of what this lad has been doing, spending... Uh, 24 hours conducting undercover reconnaissance in the towns and cities of the club's forthcoming opponents. Spent time talking to fans, drinking in pubs and consuming local media to gain an insight into how opposition fans would react during matches, as well as attempting to observe training. So, And this is all apparently in uh, Leeds United's submission, is they've written down what the guy, that they, the intern, was actually doing. But I love it that they are... Uh, they attribute uh, all this to his youthful enthusiasm as if Bielsa's kind of gone, like hired him and said, can you just go and watch training? I'd love to get extra information about our opponents. And he's out Bielsa'd Bielsa with the sheer level of useless information he's come back with. Yeah, yeah. when you, uh, uh, if Norwich score against us, they'll play Tom Hark and Bielsa. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do with that information? Michael, what do you reckon he learned on the streets of Derby at 3am as he stumbled out of Weatherspoons? A scene you're probably quite familiar with, I would imagine, when you were 20. It sounds to me a bit like he maybe wasn't sent to do this and at one point someone's rung him, he's answered, he's obviously been in a pub and he's had to make up a (laughs) story about, oh, I'm just doing some speaking to local fans and and things and, you know, getting the the lowdown around here. It'll all be in my dossier. And he's going, oh, that's excellent work. Your dossier appears to be a menu from Weatherspoons. Just the local cuisine that some of the players may have uh, their pre-match diet. Imagine being 20 years old and that being a job, though. Amazing. Better than my job now, by a long way. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, if you think some of the shitholes he has to go to in the championship, 24 hours in Bolton talking to the local people. Ah, but you're there on a mission. It makes it more exciting. Bloody hell, Millwall. Lucky you got out alive, really. That's probably why he took the sack of 
protection. It's weird. I've never, I'd not really thought about the word or the concept of secateurs until they cropped up in all this. Cropped up? Excellent. There we go. Well done. Um, I feel like um, it's an object that has returned into my life from my childhood. That's the last time I remember thinking about secateurs. Yeah, it's just one of those weird things. It's not a word I thought anybody would ever be using, especially not in a football context. What is a secateur, just out of interest? You're going secateur? I'm going secateur. I go secateur. You're secateur. Secateur. (laughs) And there's two of them anyway. You always have to have two. What do they do? I mean, it's it's a serious question. Pruning and that? Yeah, trim, trim, trim the hedge. Chopping off little toes? (laughs) <laughs> if you believe Frank Lampard anyway or if you believe the, did we talk about the Norwich guy last week no it must have happened afterwards the sporting director at Norwich who all his quotes about why they wrote that letter to the EFL saying they wanted the more information because he's like if they've been spying what else have they been doing have they been paying our staff it's like if you were admitted to stealing a Mars bar from the, the corner shop is that all you've stolen when we've got milky bars and Twix is missing as well how do we know that wasn't you and it goes on and on and it even gets to the point of it's all very well people saying that there's a cultural difference and that uh, this is the way it's done over overseas in some cultures they have three wives but that wouldn't be acceptable in this country it's like are there any other fucking invented scenarios that you want to accuse essentially accusing Bielsa of bigamy as well as everything else from stealing from corner shops to paying bribes to his staff all because somebody was found with some secateurs who from the uh, Leeds United submission has just been going to towns and getting the soaking up the culture Happy to confirm via a quick Google that it is secateurs, so my apologies for my ropey French. We don't use secateurs. What are you Googling it for? Why don't you trust us? Listen, I just wanted to get a sort of a proper handle on what you never the, do any gardening. What these things do. Well, gardenmyths.com are telling me right now that there are two types of secateurs, also called pruners, bypass and anvil. And if you're using an anvil pruner for most of your pruning needs, then you are using the wrong tool. Which, which was it? Was it bypass or anvil? Bypass, isn't it? I mean, you could, we could be adding weeks to the EFL investigation if they get wind of that. After <laughs> haul everybody back down to London. What are these? How how do you even pronounce this? Bypass anvil. Which? <laughs> but yeah, Frank Lampard's a lying bastard. Yeah, is what is the important thing to take from this? Bolt cutters. When he was found, he made it sound like he was. I crouched at a fence with them in his hand, about to just go through, just go through into the behind the goal, which never made any sense because for the amount of time it took the police to come from being called, it sounded like he would have been like trying to cut through that fence in very slow motion for about twenty minutes from being spotted to being arrested. But yeah, the police said uh, the secretaries were in his car, so it's obviously just he has them as part of his his weird kit for his weird internship job that he's weirdly managed to land that he is making as weird as possible and got even weirder when Frank Lampard started getting weird about it. Tony Pulis got it right though. Started to warm to Tony Pulis over the last week or so in a way I never thought I would for a a man who looks like a a Radio 1 DJ from the 1980s. Yes and he uh, started in management a million years ago and did everything I possibly could in those days. I'd be ringing journalists up or people who knew the football clubs trying to glean as much information as I could before these games. That was the way it was and that's the way it still is. That's right. It's like however you want to dress it up and how sinister you want to make it, it's just go and see what you can find out about our next opponent. That's all right. Why do you think Pulis wears a cap? Incognito. (laughs) Except an old man wearing a cap. Looks like Tony Pulis. Less less uh, less efficient these days. Let's move on then and go into the injuries. Obviously, we've got uh, Bamford and Brown both back. Berardi not too far off. 
the um, someone could have done with telling the LUTV commentator that um, the rule is three substitutes as well. Because while all the Jack Clark thing was going on, he went, "Oh, and Leeds are going to bring on Izzy Brown." I thought, no, no, they're not. But anyway, he was there. He, he struggles with the details sometimes. That fella. And it's the header from Janssen. Oh, oh no, it's uh, it's Luke Ailing. It's like oh, fucking hell. <laughs> He's trying his best. And He's trying his best. All that matters. One thing that we took from, and I don't know if you've heard this yet, the Yorkshire Evening Post podcast on which uh, Rob Price, Leeds United's head of medicine, or the butcher of Beeston, as he is now known, uh, did that interview with Phil. Fascinating stuff. And I'm sure you've seen the coverage now, but he actually said the style of play does influence the amount of injuries that we've got. But the caveat was that if you don't play in that particular fashion, you'll never be at the top of the league. So it's... He did make an interesting point as well about the intensity of training also contrib- being a contributing factor, but he said, uh, kind of implicated that if we weren't getting this level of injuries in the past, it kind of suggests that the players weren't working hard enough in training because nobody's been risking getting injured because they've just been a bunch of lazy ass scumbags, to paraphrase him. Is that what he said? A paraphrasing him. <laughs> But yeah, it seems like, as you predicted, actually, Moscow, on the last podcast, that we might be revising some of our comeback dates and the countdowns to players being fit because we saw Bamford rushed back in. Brown's now on the bench, possibly two or three matches short of the uh, the allotted number of games that Bielsa said he'd been needing. Well, we always thought that uh, with Brown, it was a case of up to six to be fully match sharp. But then it was kind of up to him to prove he could come back quicker and some of the stuff that Rob Price was saying is like, yeah, he's fit to play, but he's just he's got to prove to uh, Bielsa that he's fit and ready to play. So it's up to him, and he's like, that process could take a while. Bamford was talking about how uh, Bielsa kind of challenged him before the last under twenty threes game, I think, or unless it was a training match. He said like, I want to see how ready you are, and then at the end of the match, like, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're ready? And so he kind of had to play his way into to prove his fitness in front of Bielsa. Yeah. I want you in the first team, not the under twenty threes. As do we all, because he said that bloody Mr. Roof ain't scoring many goals anymore. So I need you at number nine. And obviously Clark's going to be ruled out of uh, the Swansea game that's coming up this week. Don't actually know much about that, do we? Seizure never sounds good. Yeah, can be anything from nothing at all to very bad, can't it really? So let's wait and see. We could speculate wildly, but I don't know if it would do any good. I think the only reason we have to speculate wildly is if the rumours of Liverpool's interest are true. In which case we should probably say that, yes, his career is finished at 18 and it's a tragedy and he'll, he'll never be what he was again. Leave him alone. Uh, if all that's lies, then we'll just go with the idea that uh, he'll be over it and back in training soon and back on the pitch. Because let's face it, if we're stuck with Harrison, we didn't get James. Leave him alone. He's trying his best. He's trying his best. Nobody denies they're all trying the best. I'm just saying I'd rather Jack Clark would be trying his best because his best is better. Although Harrison's cross for Pontus Janssen's header mm-hmm. that then hit the post and Bamford missed was a very good cross. So if only you could do that more often. Excellent. Let's uh, get an update on the blasphemy baton. Again, another potential feature. This is going wild. It's like a bonkers radio breakfast show, isn't it? We played Stoke, obviously, a few weeks back. Nathan Jones, their manager, summoned the power of the Lord, the mighty Lord God, to beat us, which meant they held the baton. But then they lost to Preston, who then inherited the baton. They drew with Derby. They beat Bolton, so they retain the blasphemy baton at the minute. They face Norwich next, which gives us the awkward problem of uh, if Norwich beat them, they inherit the blasphemy baton and officially become God's chosen team. Mm. Is baton really the the best word for this? Because that big uh, thing that the, the Pope holds... 
that I'm trying to Google desperately, hoping that I would have found the answer. Like, is it a mitre or a spectre or something? Is it the mitre, not the hat, and the staff is the stick? Staff, that's what, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Blasphemy the, staff doesn't work, does it? The Pope's stick, well... I'm not sure baton. I mean, it's not, is it? It's a, it's, you it's pass just, the baton, don't you? Yeah. I suppose Chris Akabusi's very Christian and he was very good at the relay, wasn't he? So maybe maybe that's right. I but don't it's, know. It's but alliteration. It's, are we again, saying that, it's one, uh, of the, one of the rules of bonkers breakfast shows, isn't it? Always, features have to have alliteration. So if I'm following this, Preston beat Stoke, but then they drew with Derby. So at that point, shouldn't like God's love have been chopped in half and they no. have to share it or something? With secateurs. Nice callback, but all you're doing now is you're ruining my nice feature. So forget it. Fair enough. Stop it. You have no nice features. And nor do these two. Another seamless segue into let's talk about these. Uh, Le Boeuf and Dugarry in the uh, in the French press trashing our Marcelo. Sacre bleu. Autistic. They're saying about him. A bit autistic because of the way he treats people. Not something you want to be throwing around as an insult because there's not wrong with being autistic. But there is something wrong with uh, Frank Le Boeuf. I think we can all agree. Played for Chelsea for years. Mm-hmm. So that shows he holds dubious opinions. When I... Googled him because whenever, whenever I've mentioned him in the email newsletter that I do for this, spelling his name. So he's got a really difficult name to spell. That's another strike against him. But yeah, his Wikipedia, like his Google profile says, uh, Frank LeBeouf, actor, which I think says a lot about his football career. <laughs> we can't do French. Um, the whole thing is just, I mean, it's mostly actually Dugarry, really, Christophe Dugarry of Birmingham City, I think is the, the best thing he ever did. Really putting the boot in, saying uh, he's the one who started throwing autistic around and then said um, that uh, he didn't inspire Guardiola or Pochettino. That's false. That's completely false. Guardiola and Pochettino have never said that. And then the presenter of the podcast that they were talking about this on got a piece of paper with the quote from Guardiola where he basically says, a lot, ending with, that is why, for me, he's the best coach in the world. Um, but Digari wasn't uh, having it. He was like, oh, yes, you're completely right. Uh, your friend sent you something from the internet. That's very good. Which is one of the most immature responses to just a bald fact and being proven completely wrong that I've heard outside of this podcast. It is very... He's just gone, right, there's, there's lies on the internet. This has come via the internet, so... You know, what about it? You probably just made this up. And it's a complete contradiction. Guardiola and Pochettino have never said that. Here is Guardiola saying that. Nope. Post-truth, isn't it? Here's a video of it. Probably fake that. <laughs> Here's Pep Guardiola himself to, to tell you. Look alike, innit? That's Frank. You've drawn a you've drawn some stubble on him. You put a and fun- a shit jumper on him. Hey, they're definitely two bad apples, or as the French might say, de pomme. Mal. Mal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Which leads us nicely into some more Enfant Terrible. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's deal with heroes and villains now off the back of those naughty Frenchmen. Let's do the uh, the villains first. The Ken Bates Villainy Award. Someone who's made us feel sad this last week. It is customary at this stage to give Ken Bates a nomination within his own award category. Uh, did he sign Frank LeBeuf? Exactly what I was going to say. That's why he's nominated, bringing LeBeuf to this country and to Chelsea. Terrible combination. If, if LeBeuf had signed for Leeds, I'm sure his career, he'd probably have a forehead of hair. He'd probably be saying lovely things about Marcelo Bielsa. I'm pretty sure um, he was bald when he signed for Chelsea. Would have grown back. <laughs> the power of, uh, of the water in Yorkshire, just dip his head in, uh, I live in I live it, in Yorkshire, uh, <laughs> South Yorkshire. <laughs> get up the dales and dip your head in the wharf. Get it away from the uh, the Haribo infested stream that runs past your house. <laughs> that Pontefract slum that you live Tang-fastic in. Tangfastic water. <laughs> oh, it burns. It burns. <laughs> Who so else what? do you want to nominate them for this? Well, Sean Harvey stroke the football league. As I already touched on, they've done nothing they've basically sat on a lot of information there's been more than two sides of A4 to read so Sean's gone oh oh no I've got loads on today I'll, I'll, we'll get to that um, another day and he's, he'd already stated that on Talk Sport about three weeks before mm-hmm. we're going to deal with this promptly but it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that Sean Harvey's a fucking liar <laughs> and useless at his job the quotes I just <clears throat> the one commitment that I am able to make to lead supporters and indeed the supporters of the other clubs is whatever outcome we are going to get to, we are going to get there as quickly as humanly possible. The one commitment he was able to make, one, in his whole damn sorry life, including his wedding vows. (laughs) Yeah, so he's not got round to it yet. This is quick. He should have stated, because humanly possible implies any human, or at least uh, the very most an average human speed, whereas as we know, he is not human. Is not that his get out clause? Not human. Yeah, he's not actually he's, a human. He's a man. subspecies <laughs> of slug, <laughs> which is rather unfair on slugs. If you see Sean Harvey, throw salt at him. Do we even need to bother nominating Dean Smith? Yes, we that? do. Okay. What do you want to nominate? What's he done? Well, did you see that you saw the game, didn't you? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Villa, yeah. Yeah, the three down, ten minutes to go. Very good, Villa. You've got it back to three all. What's Dean Smith doing? Celebrating like he's won the league. A draw. On the side. Jumping around. They're at tenth or something. Pathetic. You wouldn't catch us celebrating a, a late draw like that, would you? No, but it should just be played to him, really, the next time he moans about someone celebrating a winner to just go, look, late goals, emotion, this is why these things happen. It's not always logical. Now, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm picking up on the vibe that you think maybe Dean Smith's a little bit of a hypocrite and that thing shouldn't ex- that shouldn't exist in football 
<laughs> true, true. We are, we're always thing is fair and consistent, even handed. Yeah, yeah. We, we're really we're we're always good to people on here. We'll we'll treat give everyone a fair hearing, and then call them slugs. But Sean Harvey deserves it. There's no reason to give him a fair hearing. No, he's won this award more than anyone. He's got a lot of stars on his little sluggy top. <laughs> I don't know what clothes slugs wear. It's hard to say. Honestly, where, I'm not sure where we go from there. But do we have anybody else you'd like to nominate or is that our, all our runners and riders this time? I mean, LeBouf and... Uh, LeBouf. Frank and Christoph obviously have their special personal nomination, but I don't think anyone really comes close to Sean Harvey in, in this week. Plus Frank Lampard like, for still being a liar. He should really come out in the press and say, yeah, I did make all that up. So actually, what uh, Frank Lampard has come out in the press and said today is that he's concentrating on the job at Derby County and doesn't want to be involved in the talk linking him to the Chelsea job. I don't wish to be associated with those previous lies I've told. <laughs> now, if you could all kindly stop mentioning them. And stop asking me about if I'm going to be a Premier League manager within two weeks of failing as a fucking championship manager. Don't it, would know. Be, it would be quite funny if he took the Chelsea job. Oh, he would crash and burn so desperately, uh, hilariously. Because they have... Like that, everyone's blaming all their problems on having an unmanageable group of players. Imagine him and Jody Morris going in there and say, Right, we've got to get some discipline into this club. <laughs> Jeez. Pack it in, Frank. You've lost. <laughs> Don't know what, but you've just lost everything. Uh, pick yourself a winner or is it a loser? Whichever. Who's made us feel saddest? Harvey. Yeah. Again. Yeah, give it slug, Harvey. Excellent. Right, on to other matters now. The Andy Hughes Hero Award, recognition of somebody who's brought us happiness over the last week. Your candidates, please. I mentioned it before, but the warming to uh, Tony Pulis. I don't know if I've warmed to the extent that I actually want to like give him an award or something, but thanks for not being a twat. Mm. Is that all right? Very decent. He didn't make any fuss about the game stoppage or anything. He stopped the game, apparently, from... Which kind of does fit in with the whole idea that Marcelo Bielsa is so focused on football that one of his substitute players could be being literally wheeled past him on a stretcher to the hospital and he would still just be crouched, concentrating on the game. Tony Pulis come over and go, is everything all right over there, Marcelo? <laughs> bueno. I did wonder if all the debates about whether the game should have been stopped or not might have been pointless anyway, because if the team doctors are busy dealing with someone, can the game even continue? Because what if someone then broke the leg while that was going on? I wouldn't be surprised if they just have to have some medical presence available and it was all taken up. Yeah, there might be a rule on it, I don't know, but it was just the only sensible thing to do, really. You yeah. can't have like one of your players receiving urgent medical attention from paramedics in the dugout and just pretend it isn't happening because you'd have all our players would surely be like looking over going, like, is he all right? You just can't I did it. see so a, a few Middlesbrough right fans were suggesting that it was part of some ploy. Well, in a period of the game where we were battering them, that we'd want to stop the play. So it's that strange people. It's that Michael Bailey fella thinks we've got the uh, the white noise trick up our sleeves. What's the next game going to be? I'd like to know what we're going to be accused of then. Scoring a goal, typical Leeds. Although it'll probably be uh, something to do with Daniel James. Won't it? Though we probably hijacked that transfer deliberately so that Daniel James couldn't play against Leeds. Tell you who I want to nominate: Jenny Alioski for being happy and carefree enough to do that to his hair. I'd and- nominate Jenny Alioski any just for being like a, a bit of a hero in every sense apart from the staying on side sense and maybe his, his final ball. But he does probably give me more entertainment than many players that this club has had over the last few years. He is just funny. <laughs> he is. He really is, isn't he? He'd be incredibly annoying against you, obviously. Oh, I mean, that's part of his charm, is the way he winds mm. up uh, opposition teams. I mean, they still go back to uh, 
the glory days of um, Saez and Alioski's first appearances in the League Cup when they, we played Port Vale and then Newport and both games ended with those two just juggling the ball and taking the piss and being absolutely clattered by uh, lower league or non-league defenders. And one of them got sent off, I think, at the, right at the end of, I think it was the Port Vale game or the Newport game, I can't remember. But it was just wonderful watching them just absolutely taking the piss. And they've taken that, well, Saiz has obviously gone home, but Alioski's taken it into the championship, added bottle after bottle of bleach on his hair. I don't think he's drinking bleach. And come up a hero. Yeah, it's not just his, his haircut and his week. I would, I think he's been building up to this for a while. Anyone else, Michael? A bit of, a, a bit of an obscure one, given he's not playing for us, but um, I don't know if you saw the Doncaster game. Um, Malik Wilkes was, I think he was uh, annoying their fan, the opposition fans. Then he got substituted and managed to annoy um, the Peterborough manager, who is now Darren Ferguson again for about the eighth time. How did he annoy him? I, th- I think he was just mouthing off at him a bit and like then doing like a... A sort of a smile at him and th- stuff as he was coming off. You know, you remember Darren Ferguson from the League One days. Very cross man. Much. Very cross man. He was blubbing about the injury time at that time and uh, very bitter. So it was nice, nice to see. And I hope he knew he was a Leeds player. Wilkes was involved in some Leeds on Leeds uh, shenanigans oh, in this because uh, never like to see that. Tyler Denton was sent off for Peterborough first. For, he got first yellow for time wasting at a throwing, which I can only imagine pleased Darren Ferguson greatly. And then he brought down. Uh, Malik Wilkes, who then one of the Peterborough players went kind of chest to chest with Wilkes, and then how can I put this? Dived like yeah. a twat again. Can only imagine that the amount of support that player will have had from Darren Ferguson, who will have wanted Wilkes sending off, probably banning from the game for as long as he lives, because that's the kind of thing that Darren Ferguson strongly against violence. Darren Ferguson should be kept in the home, not on the football pitch. I'd like to move on and uh, nominate Calvin Phillips. Little nod for not only his goal, but as we mentioned earlier, he's got a lovely face. He's got a lovely, happy face. And he does bring joy to us. But I think um, a manager I've always liked, actually, Dean Smith. Um, oh, yeah. Inspired his Villa team, which did us a massive favour, obviously, against Sheffield United. You, you think there's no way back, do you, 3-0? So. Nice but, to see. He, he was happy as well. Yeah, and, and, he's, and I'm, I'm glad he appreciated it. You know, you've, got to, you've got to enjoy these times when they come, haven't you, as a manager? So, yeah. Maybe give it to Smith or Phillips. Let's give it to Phillips, yeah. I think it seems like the sensible thing to do, doesn't it? It might persuade Bielsa to keep him in the team as well, ahead of that idiot for sure. Well, I guess we'll see who retains that central defensive midfield position uh, midweek against Swansea. Weird week, this one, with the QPR game being postponed, isn't it? Game on Wednesday, but then nothing at the weekend. Don't like that. Couldn't we move this game against Swansea to Saturday and not play it on a Wednesday night? Would they have to play twice on Saturday, though? Not Uh, sure. Just call their other game off. Yeah, that won't be anything important. That'd be fair. Well, the Daniel James Shields is at stake as well as three points, but that's not very important at the moment. We had this game won the moment that transfer fell through. It's very much like the whole Frank Lampard Jr.'s Derby County thing where uh, as soon as he started crying about uh, somebody was watching us train, we'd won. Like going to Ellen Drow that night, I knew we'd won. And uh, yeah, as soon as this happened, I knew we'd win this game. So probably another 2-0 win. 2-0 leads, easy. That's big talk about you, Michael. We do need to win this game. We're not going up if we don't win this game. I think we've had our wobble, actually, on that, because we do need to win it. We, we've we, had could our have, we could have done. That could have been it. I know in previous seasons, the wobble has lasted from sort of Christmas to the end of the season. But this year, it's been a wobble that's kept us in the promotion places, which is fine. And honestly, that's all we need to do. If we're in the promotion places at the end of the season, we go into the Premier League. Although I don't really want to anyway. The more I think about it, I saw it today when it's just 
kind of been in the news today, hasn't it, about Ramsey being paid 400 grand a week. And I just thought, ah, what a hateful world. That's too much money for a footballer, I he's, think. He's, Callum's going to be on about, what, 15? And uh, Bielsa will probably not give any of them pay rises, just on principle. <laughs> Bielsa will have a bonus and donate it all to a, the Dogs Trust or something. Put them all just on minimum to... wage. The do- Not the dogs, I mean the players. I think we're winning it. To add to uh, why we're going to win it, I think there's some rumours that Ollie McBurney might not be fit to play. He is their top scorer with 13 goals. Their next highest goal scorer has scored four. So if he's not playing, and then whoscored.com... Well, give over. Whoscored.com tells me that uh, Swansea's strengths include attacking down the wings and that their style of play is attacking down the left. And do you know who plays left wing for Swansea? uh, You might have to give me a clue. I've got an idea. Daniel James. And uh, he's either not going to be playing because Graham Potter has already kind of hinted that, oh, you know, three games in a week for for a young lad. uh, Might want to keep him out of the firing line. And also because because of the way that transfer fell through, they are desperate um, not to let him play because they know that he'll want to do his best for Leeds. So they're they're caught. This is why I think we won as soon as that happened because if he plays... He's going to score three on goals. And if he doesn't play, they haven't got any players as good, so they won't be able to win. They won't be able to beat us. So Leeds United win. Put your house on it. And I don't believe this ruse about uh, Ollie McBurney being injured. I think that's nonsense. Little bit of kidology. He'll be surgically attached to Daniel James, wherever he is. Are you saying that Graham Potter might not be uh, speaking in good faith about his... uh, his team news? I wouldn't like to imply that because that would then mean that I'm not speaking in good faith. So. I mean, we have two managers here. One manager who names his lineup truthfully two days before every match and then suggesting that another manager might be putting out deliberate lies about uh, who might be fit or not for his team. I wonder which way round the punishments may fall in the eyes of the Football League. <laughs> the slugs have, I suppose slugs do have eyes. Are they on stalks? We've got snails. <laughs> feelers. Are they feelers? It's a long time since I've looked closely at a slug, but then I try to avoid... The Carabao um, Cup. <laughs> Draws. Away from the garden and back onto actual football matters, we will go into this game. Extra level of pressure maybe, knowing how West Brom have gotten on Tuesday? I would normally say that it wouldn't affect the players, but then I saw a number of them talking about how much they'd enjoyed watching Sheffield United collapse to Aston Villa. So they clearly are watching all the other games the same as we are and following the, the league position. Bielsa is also down. probably forcing them to learn everything they can. You'll watch this, then you'll watch it again, then again, then there'll be a quiz. And if anyone doesn't get full marks, you'll watch it again until you do. Now, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered about West Brom until they overtake us. Same with uh, Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Yeah, the big ones, the the Jesus game on the on the Wednesday. The uh, sorry, not I'm, I'm spoiling it. I'm back on it. The Jesus game. What was it called? The blasphemy baton. That's the big one. The Jesus. Game. <laughs> yeah, Preston Norwich, and then onto the weekend. Of course, we got no game, and we're gonna have to sit and watch what everybody else does. That's gonna be torture, isn't it? That's gonna be worse than watching Leeds. And Norwich played Bolton, which is basically a guaranteed win. That was the annoying thing about Norwich's game against Ipswich, because normally a local derby, anything can happen, but Ipswich is so shit. Unfair, really. The only excitement was the fighting on the benches, and even Norwich didn't get involved in that. They're way too savvy, because there was a couple of their players getting involved in kind of scraps towards the end, but you could see their senior pros coming over and going like, don't get booked, don't get sent off, because we're trying to win the league here. Whereas I, I wish they'd just go with the Sheffield United model of conceding a last-minute winner and then half the team turning on the goalkeeper and just calling him every name of the sun, which, um, which really, really did... Uh, Should have been well in the, the heroes, future. actually. 
Henderson. He's done some good work for us this year. I mean, we had a lot to thank Simon Tracy for in uh, in 1990. It's like he's the second coming. Well, as the season desperately creeps towards a conclusion, we have some triumphant moments still yet to come. When you say desperate creep, you're talking about Sean Harvey again. Issue seven of our fanzine comes out this midweek against Swansea. Please do look out for it. Sensational cover. It's got like a mosaic on it. Very, very pretty. All the stuff that has happened across the last month. It's based off the artwork of Soul Bass. Eamon would, uh, and uh, Lee Shackleton, who designed it, would want me to mention that. For those who know, you know. Soul Bass. Yeah, if you've seen a Hitchcock film, I ah. think it's Hitchcock. Soul Bass oil. You get cold. You can tell you live in Pontefract with that. <laughs> so, so uncultured. Right, okay. Thesquareball.net is where you will find the magazine and it will be on sale as well at Ellen Road versus Swansea. Check it out. Grab yourself a digital sub online via thesquareball.net. Give us some support. Give us some love if you fancy it. Quid a month for 10 years worth of issues. Last word then before we head off with the final third of the season left to play. Last time it was sick and helpless. How are you feeling now, Michael? Sluggy. And you, Moscow, how are you feeling? Swanny. Like we're going to strangle one on Wednesday night. Let's hope so. And until next time, we'll bid you farewell. The Square Ball Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.